Hello, hello, hello. It's time for a story. Uh, so you might want to take a moment to get really, 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 really comfortable. And while you're getting all of those reallys comfortable, uh, I will take a moment to tell you that this podcast and these stories are supported by patrons. So if these stories feed you and you would like to offer something back and become a patron too, you can do that on patreon.com forward slash can I tell you a story p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash can I tell you a story starting from seven dollars a month and you will receive bonus stories there are a whole pile of bonus stories waiting for you there already and other things which you can find out more about on the site now are you really, 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 really comfortable? I hope so. It's story time. At exactly 3am, the glass door to the all-night, all-clean laundry flies open and a small man in a singed green robe tucked into grimy grey tracksuit pants shoots through it and stumbles to a panting stop in front of the change machine. He drops a pillowcase of laundry at his feet and fumbles in his pocket for his wallet, twitching. In the back room, next to a sleeping duck, curled with its head under its wing, Mavis is bent over her work table, wispy grey hair drifting around her face, working on a new kind of washing machine that will hopefully see her out of a job. The machine will tell someone's fortune while cleaning their clothes, printing it out on a ticket when their washing is done. When she figures out the bugs, Mavis will no longer need to supplement her income from the laundry telling the fortunes of actual people. Speaking to them in actual words. She'll never have to talk to another soul if she doesn't want to. Trying to find kind ways to tell them hard futures. Not knowing what to do with the hunger and hope in people's faces. With the disbelief and disappointment when she won't lie to them and predict tall, handsome strangers and windfalls of cash. Ducks. Ducks she can do. Ducks and machines. But people? No. No thank you. Hearing the door, she puts down her soldering iron and looks up, craning her head to see the puzzled-looking man through the pink bead curtain that separates the laundry from her workroom. All right there, she calls through. The man jumps so high, he almost hits his head on the ceiling. Socks! He starts strong and fades into a mumble. Need to clean my socks. His hands come up empty and he frowns at them, confused. He looks at Mavis, who is now leaning in the doorway, purple-fringed shawl pulled around her shoulders. Wallet, he says in a hopeful way that reminds her of a small child, not understanding why the world isn't how they think it should be and expecting the godlike powers of the adult to fix it for them. Wallet, wallet. Giving up on his pockets, he upends his pillowcase of laundry onto the big steel table in the centre of the room, pouring through dirty socks and assorted grubby small clothes. Again, his hands come up empty. He mumbles at them, sagging when they remain walletless. He turns to Mavis. Socks, he says. Need to clean. Clean my socks. It's important. Need to clean. We're open all night, says Mavis. You can come back when you've got some change. Socks, says the man. Trade, I can... 
trade wizard things for socks. Need to, need to, socks. Clean, clean my socks. You're a wizard, are you? Mavis glances at the laundry spread over the table and frowns. She reads laundry like others read tea leaves. And spelled out in the wizard's socks is a strange and spreading darkness that hints of bad magic. Mavis recoils. Thank you, she says, figuring it's best to be polite to weird 3am wizards. But no, coins or nothing, favours don't fit in the coin slots. The wizard looks forlorn. You might check the sock basket, though, she tells him. That washing machine at the end there is a bit temporarily challenged has a tendency to send socks back in time. So if it's taken any of yours in the future, they're probably in the basket. Socks, says the wizard, scrambling for the basket. Yes, says Mavis. Socks. The wizard looks up, having a moment of lucidity. I need to present an application to the wizard council in the morning. Need some funding, he says. Still scrambling for socks. Have to make a good impression. A good impression with socks? It's important, socks. Clean, socks, important, socks. The moment of lucidity is lost. What's the funding for? Secret wizard business? Maybe she shouldn't ask, but Mavis has sometimes caught herself daydreaming about applying for a research grant for her fortune-telling machine project. But then the thought of filling out reams of forms and then having to stand in front of the council high up in the ivory tower where those with power exert it over those with none, and explain her research, answer questions, justify ideas, be put on the spot. It's impossible. She muddles on alone, doing the best she can. It's right, says the wizard. Secret wizard, secret business, secret. He twitches, and his expression goes so cagey, Mavis is amazed his face isn't full of gerbils. Wizard business, The wizard looks at the small pile of socks he's accumulated. They're all missing their pairs, the rest still in the dirty pile on the table. They'll be odd, but at least they're clean. Doesn't help with the rest of your clothes, though, says Mavis. There's a thump and a loud quack from the back room and the patter of feet. The bead curtain sways and a large white duck waddles into view. Quack, it says, and throws up a small pile of change at the wizard's feet. Mavis narrows her eyes at the duck. Quack, says the duck. This is important. For me? The wizard scoops up the change, wiping it on his pants. Quack, says the duck. No, for the maniac standing behind you, of course for you. The duck waddles to an open clothes dryer with a towel hanging out of it. It jumps in and turns around a few times, sits down and tucks its head under its wing. Well, says Mavis, you've just enough there for the Laundro Fortune machine. It's a bit cheaper than the rest because I'm still ironing out the kinks. The wizard snickers. Ironing. (laughs) Mavis ignores him. It'll read your fortune from your laundry. Prints out a little card for you when it's done. The wizard puts the money in the coin slot and shovels his laundry from the table into the machine. Mavis gives him laundry powder for free because trying to explain how the dispenser works to a twitchy wizard at three in the morning is beyond her. She disappears through the bead curtain and settles herself at her work table once more. Fortune-telling washing machines are not simple things, but if she can make it work, she'll be cutting out the middlewoman. Her. 
And then she won't have to talk to people, won't have to see their hopeful faces, won't have to see them at all. The wizard sits on a green plastic chair and stares at the red numbers ticking down the time until his laundry is clean, twitching and muttering to himself. There's a whirring noise, and a ticket pops out of the slot. The wizard reads the ticket, and his hands begin to shake. He stands at the bead curtain, causing the beads to shake too, clattering like plastic rain. He holds the ticket out in both hands, a look of mute appeal in his eyes. Mavis scoots over on her wheeled stool and takes the ticket from his unresisting fingers. The fortune reads, Terribly sorry, old chap, but I'm afraid you're doomed. A British fortune-telling washing machine. Where did it get the accent? Mavis sighs and makes a mental note to figure out if that's going to be a feature or a bug. Perhaps it would feel more trustworthy to people? The wizard twitches and the beads rattle. Oh, sorry, Mavis says, remembering that there's a small, worried-looking wizard standing in her doorway. Um, she squints at him, trying to read the aura of futures around him. Most of them are dark. Usually I see people's futures, she says, when I look at them. Which is why I try not to look at them, she thinks. They're so cluttered and confusing. Usually the more likely futures are brighter, All of yours are cloudy. She holds his fortune ticket out for him to take back, but he doesn't reach for it, as if refusing to take it back might stop the future arriving. Awkward, she puts it down on the corner of the table, a beacon of darkness in the room. Maybe cloudy is the wrong word. It's more like it's dark in there. I mean, I know it's the middle of the night, but usually that doesn't make a difference. At the word dark... The wizard twitches violently and crumples slightly. Ma, ma, he says. There, there, says Mavis, looking at the floor. She doesn't know what to tell him. She won't give people false hope, and people don't like hearing about the darkness that sometimes waits for them. What do you tell them? That it'll be all right? Sometimes it won't be. You're afraid of the dark? That can't be it. It's dark outside right now, and you're, well, you're not fine, are you? Ma, ma, matter, dark, dark matter. Dark matter? Isn't that the... The wizard is looking at her, hangdog and hopeless. It is, isn't it? It's the incredibly dangerous and fortunately extremely rare magical substance that's used in very powerful spells that usually go horribly wrong, leaving the spellcaster dead or, oh, hopelessly addicted. That's you, isn't it? You're addicted to dark matter. What were you trying to do? You know, when when it went wrong. She wonders if it's rude to ask and she decides she doesn't care. The wizard nods, looking at the floor. It's not it's not my fault. It was it was dark magic, bad magic, bad magic for good things good things to save save my brother, bring him back. They said it was the only way. They said it would work. They said I had to. I was the only one. Save him had to. It didn't work, did it? No. He he died and I'm... The wizard twitches. That's why you need the funding, isn't it? Mavis looks at the wizard again, squinting. There's one future. This brother, you just have one? He look like you? Yeah, mumbles the wizard, still looking at the floor. O- only brother. Could have been, been twins. 
he he's not dead. Mavis stops talking because the wizard is shot forward and is gripping her arms with shaking hands, staring at her with wild eyes. She hadn't even seen him move. Wrong. You're wrong. You have to be wrong. Dead. He's dead. He's got to be dead. He's got to be dead. He's... Mavis stiffens, frozen and wide-eyed like an animal who missed the impulse to run. She hates being touched. Part of the reason why she bought the laundromat and part of why she works there only at night. It's supposed to be automatic. And soon the fortunes will be automatic too. No more people and their desperate, grasping hands. There's a gentle quack from behind the wizard and he shakes himself and looks at his hands gripping Mavis's arms like he's not sure whose hands they are, but they're certainly not his. He notices they seem to be attached to his arms, which appear to be attached to his shoulders. His eyes widen, and he lets go, as the duck pulls him gently backwards by the ankle of his trousers. Sorry, 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 he says. Mavis rolls backwards on her wheeled stool until it runs into her work table and shudders, pulling her shawl tighter around her shoulders. She wants to disown her own arms, the memory of the wizard's urgent touch burned into them. The duck waddles to her feet and sits down heavily on one of them, and she remembers how to exhale. Sometime later, she also remembers how to inhale. Don't ever touch me she says to the wizard. Sorry, he says again. I didn't mean, um... He's looking at her with intense eyes, her discomfort already forgotten, squashed under the weight of his own urgent need. But he's he's not, not dead? Not? But, but he has to be dead. The duck shifts on Mavis's foot, a comforting reminder that somebody sees her. Pushing her discomfort behind her where she can't see it, she focuses again on the wizard, standing in her doorway, pink beads hanging down on either side of his face like a wig that brings out all of his worst features. Why does he have to be dead? She squints at the shifting futures around his body. Looks pretty alive to me. He's dressed in black, pacing. Thinks he's powerful. Opposite of you, really. It's flickering. He's in front of a big window and then here, in the laundromat, the window is high up in the ivory tower. Who is your brother? Who were you before? The wizard pales, pieces falling into place while he's falling to pieces. He set me up. He set me up. The wizard remembers a pleading face, remembers his own misgivings being met with endless reassurances. The desperation, the rushing preparations, the dark room the urgency leaving no room for questions. And after, the sombre words spoken with gravity by the man who was part guard and part assistant, I'm sorry, it didn't take. He's gone. And then he was gone himself, the darkness taking him, and ever since that dark night, nothing but the guilt and the hunger for more dark matter, the struggle to survive. He never questioned the use of dark matter. Never questioned the words of the spell, never questioned anything. He trusted, and he's been trusting ever since. Until now. If he's not dead, where is he? Why hasn't he come for me? Why is he pacing at the top of the ivory tower? Only the most powerful and ruthless wizards have access to that room. The ones who control the world. It was because of you. He did this to escape you, the brother too concerned with right. The brother who was worried about corruption seeping across the city like a dark stain. 
the brother who was concerned with justice, the brother who wanted things to be fair, the brother who wrung his hands and did nothing. He couldn't turn you and so he destroyed you. He couldn't kill you and so he did the next best thing. No one's going to listen to a washed-up wizard who's addicted to dark matter. No one is going to care. Here, says Mavis, pushing a chair at him, unaware of his internal revelations. Sit down, you're looking kind of green. Ma, says the wizard, collapsing into the chair. Take your time, Mavis suppresses a sigh. People, ducks and machines are so much easier. She picks up a screwdriver, but she can't concentrate with someone else in the room, even someone who's not presently all there. She's too aware of the space he takes up. It's like hearing unfamiliar footsteps in the hall. The tension of not knowing who's coming except the footsteps are sitting on a chair against the wall having some kind of internal implosion. Something flickers at the edge of her vision and she glances over at the wizard. His aura of possible futures is spinning like a nightmare kaleidoscope. Mavis sees flashes of riots, of burning buildings, the smoky light of torches in the city square. She sees the wizard's brother walking through the chaos, which parts around him like water. And then she sees something that makes her breath catch in her throat, the front window of her laundromat, broken and dark. On the ground, a handful of white duck feathers twisting in the breeze. The wizard turns his head and stares at her. Mavis can't hold his gaze. She looks away. You have to help me, says the wizard. I have to quit. Dark matter. Have to. He can't do this. He can't help. You help. Mavis wishes she'd called it a night at midnight. Wishes the wizard had stumbled into some other all-night laundry. Wishes he'd begged someone else for help. But he didn't. And she knows that if she doesn't help him, her vision will be truth. The laundromat, dark and empty. The window cracked and broken. The duck, gone. But... You want to what? Get off dark matter. Here, it'll kill you. I'm a fortune teller. I don't know how to dispose of a corpse. I don't really know how to people at all. And that extends to dead ones. It'll kill me any... Kill me... It'll kill me anyway, says the wizard. I should be dead... Already dead be... Should be dead already. Should have died when... When the spell backfired. The duck shifts. Quack, it says. You're doing that thing that regular people do. That thing you hate, arguing against fate. Fine, says Mavis, pushing the duck off her foot. There's a room you can use. It's at the top of the stairs. Toilet next door. I'll leave food and water, but that's all I'm doing. I'm not nursing anyone back to health. With me as a nurse, you'd end up even deader. She looks away from the gratitude and fear in his eyes. In the room at the top of the stairs, the duck stands guard while the wizard loses his mind. The wizard is backed into the corner. The duck in the doorway. Is there a duck in the doorway? The duck is the size of a house. The duck is the size of a dragon. The duck has his brother's face. He recoils and time slows down. It takes him seven years to turn his own face to the wall. The wall isn't blank. The wall is a window in a high white tower and it looks out on the city Pinpoints of light mirroring the stars. The wizard blinks and his hands are in front of his face. And they are powerful and strange, wearing rings he's never seen before, that jump from finger to finger. 
The cuffs of his shirt are sharp and black and there's a tattoo of a snake winding around his forearm like it lives. The naked light bulb flickers above him, shifting colours. There's a strange hum and one tiny lucid corner of his mind tells him it's the spin cycle of a washing machine. And then he has a mouthful of feathers and he's falling from the floor into an endless vacuum and his singed green robe is twisting around his body and he's hot. It's so hot, but his limbs won't work and he can't pull the sleeves from his arms and the light is half gone because he's got one eye closed and he doesn't think he's ever known how to open it. Mavis puts another tray down inside the door and steps back over the threshold like the floor is lava. The wizard is a lump in the corner and he's whimpering, so he must be breathing. The kaleidoscope of images around the wizard is getting darker and she's disturbed to see how many of them feature her face. She hurries down to her workroom and the circle of light the lamp casts on her workbench. Quack, says the duck to her receding back. You can't hide from the end of the world. A year passes and then another minute and they are the same length of time. The wizard crawls across the floor to the water. There are feathers floating in the jug. Next to it there's a red plastic cup and it doesn't break when he drops it, water spilling across the bare floorboards. The sandwich is a mountain he can't climb. The wizard sees the snarl of his brother's face and closing his eyes doesn't help. All it does is focus the vitriol until the hate in his brother's eyes is like a burn on the wizard's soul. A white shape eclipses the darkness. Is that a duck? His brother is a duck. The duck drinks from the puddle on the floor and wiggles its tail feathers. Mavis replaces the tray again and stands in the doorway, watching the wizard fight himself, watching the swirling images around his body shift and change. She sees the wizard and the brother who looks the same as him morph and shift until they're the same person. They're in front of the window in the high tower and they're lying on the floor in her laundromat. They're not two people, they're one and they're here, right in front of her, writhing at her feet, neither side able to gain control. You don't have a brother, do you, she says, and her quiet words land on the wizard like stones. The wizard uncurls and goes rigid, lying spread eagle on the floor, eyes wide enough to see white all around them. No, he says, but he, he wanted to rule everything, Ruthless, angry, he wanted to take it all, all the magic, all the power. Not he, says Mavis, with the duck beside her leaning against her leg. You, you can't lie to me. I see it all around you. It was all you. I, 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 says the wizard. I couldn't. I had, I had a conscience. It was too much, my ambition. It caused... It caused so much pain. What I wanted to do, taking the magic out of the world, using it for... for... He twitches and his limbs flail with the force of it and he closes his eyes. Dark magic, says Mavis. You found a way to split yourself in half. You're the... good bit. That's why you're not dead. The other half of you couldn't kill you or it would be gone too. The spell worked. As long as you kept taking dark matter, the rest of you could do what it liked. And now you've stopped, you're one person again. More or less. The wizard twitches. All, all that, all the pain, all that pain. 
he says, eyes still closed. All those people, I couldn't, I wasn't, I didn't, I, I... His voice deepens, roughens. I did, and I didn't care. They don't do anything with their magic. Why not take it? I, I couldn't, I didn't want. I wanted, I still want. I'd do it again. Mavis picks up the jug of water from the tray by the door and empties it over the wizard. His eyes open and focus. Get up, she says, tired of twitchy wizards wallowing in darkness and guilt. Get out. Fix it. Quack, says the duck. It's going to take more than that. He broke the city, says Mavis. Now he's going to fix it. Quack, says the duck. You'll have to make a prophecy. It's the only way to be sure. Mavis sighs. You know I hate fixing futures. It feels like cheating. Quack, says the duck. It was just a quack. Mavis crouches down in the doorway, watching the images around the wizard show different kinds of futures. The city crippled by a ruler who is power-hungry and cruel. The city crippled in a different way by a ruler who is ineffectual and riddled with guilt. And just a glimpse at something else. Get up, says Mavis again, standing and drawing her shawl around herself. The wizard pushes himself up off the floor, limbs weak and trembling. He stumbles as he stands, and Mavis doesn't reach to steady him. When he finds his feet, he's taller than before, more filled out. His hands have sprouted rings he wasn't wearing earlier, and there's a snake tattoo coiled up one arm. His eyes are sharp, angry and ashamed. Quack, says the duck. Go on. Mavis lifts her chin and breathes in, reaching for the place where prophecy lives, filling herself with the power to fix the future in place, narrowing the dancing visions until there's only one inevitable path. She stares the wizard in the eye and opens her mouth. The wizard is pinned like a bug on a board. These words are truth and truth only, says Mavis, and her voice sounds as final as the end of days. Wizard, your penance is to rule and rule well. All you've ruined is your responsibility. Guilt is your path to balance the darkness with grace. The dreams in the faces of the people you cut down are yours to nurture. Redemption is a road of glass, and you walk it until your bleeding souls find the grass beneath them. These words are truth, and truth only. Quack, says the duck. What she said. Mavis blinks and looks away from the wizard's staring eyes. Nowhere in the dancing futures around him is the ruined laundromat. The greasy pall of smoke over the city is gone. The torches in the square have gone. There's a fragile hope in the faces of the people she sees in the spinning visions. Now get out, she says. We're closed. Time passes. The laundromat, fully automatic with six brand new patented fortune-telling washing machines, changes its name to Duck's Future Clean All-Night Laundry Palace. The wizard, in clean socks, makes a different presentation to the wizard council. Mavis is awarded generous funding for her new research into machines of prophecy. The Duck accepts on her behalf. Once, at 3am on a dark night, an incognito wizard in a slightly less singed green robe and slightly less grimy grey track pants, pushes open the glass door, a small sack of laundry in his hand. 
He pulls his wallet from his pocket and puts the correct change in the machine, checks the sock basket while he waits. The numbers count down the wash. The machine prints a white ticket. Well done, old chap, it says. Carry on. The wizard nods to the duck, nesting in a pile of towels on top of one of the dryers as he leaves. Quack, says the duck. Thanks for listening. I hope that you enjoyed this story. If you did and you want more stories, perhaps you would like to become a patron. Patrons receive bonus stories at one every month, sometimes more, and there are a whole lot waiting already there on the site. Uh, You can find out more about that and sign up on patreon.com forward slash can I tell you a story? P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash can I tell you a story? Until next time, I hope your future is bright and contains at least one duck. <laughs>